Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Hello, everyone. Well, here we are. We get the privilege of being able to be together. Even if we're not in the room, we're together. And so um, I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about the Word of God. And I'm so grateful for our musicians that have already led us in such a great time of praise and worship. But now here we are. We're going to come into the Word of God. We're going to read some of the words that Jesus wrote and what that is going to speak into our lives. So I get to speak on forgiving today. You know, we've heard from Mitch and we've heard from Trent already. And we've been also on the Bible app in our um, on our app or even on our website and been able to interact. And I've really appreciated reading people's different comments and hearing what others think about what we're all together reading and understanding the word of God. So let's get into our word today. Let's get into this topic, forgiving. As we look at this topic, I'm going to go through three different um, points and I want us to look at forgiveness. Firstly, how God forgives us. Secondly, on forgiving ourselves. And thirdly, on forgiving others. As we look at unforgiveness, we can do to us um, and look at these areas and go, okay, God, we need your help. I Before I go into that, I want to look at what unforgiveness does to us as individuals and what it does into our bodies. And so when people are holding unforgiveness, there was a psychiatrist who wrote um, these different areas that in her clients or people that she's seen, the unforgiveness has affected them in this way. Cancer was in 61% of patients who have unforgiveness issue. Now, we're not saying that cancer is because of unforgiveness, but these people that held unforgiveness, 61% of them ended up with cancer. Suppressed anger, low self-esteem, lack of self-love from not forgiving yourself or self-acceptance, bitterness and increase the risk of depression, sleep deprivation and anxiety, high blood pressure and heart disease and the list goes on. You know, when we hold on to unto, uh, unforgiveness in our body, things take place and it, it just rips us apart. It's not how God designed us to be. God designed us to forgive and so that we could be all that he wants us to be. So I want us to look at the very first point here and I want us to look at God's forgiveness. For us to truly understand how to forgive ourselves and then in turn to forgive others, we've got to know how we've been forgiven. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. In John 3, 16 to 17, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We see both in these both of these scriptures that firstly God loved us. God 
God loves us. God has forgiven us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour, when we lay down our lives, it says that he forgives us of our sins and his grace and mercy is what gives us eternal life, gives us a relationship with the Father. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. Nothing. If we look in our Bible story right now, I want us to go through this passage of Scripture and it's from John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. In this passage of Scripture, it is Jesus who is speaking words that are so wise, such wisdom, but such forgiveness that flows to this beautiful woman. See, it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in an act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, let's stop here right now. These Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. They knew the law. They knew what needed to happen. And they were trying to trap him into saying, yep, stone her. She's done the wrong thing. And they're there and they're bringing their case. You know, also in this law, it was that if a woman had committed adultery, the man was supposed to stand with her as well. So it's supposed to be the man and the woman that were brought before the people and then they would both be stoned. But it's very interesting that the man's nowhere around, isn't it? In this situation, where was he? Was he watching on, seeing this woman being dragged to be, to be judged, to be claimed that she needed to be stoned? But what I love here is when they brought her in front of the crowd, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in an act of adultery and says that the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stood down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Have you ever wondered what he was writing in the dust? Was he starting to write all the different sins that these people had committed? Was he starting to expose their sin in their life, that the things that were happening in them? Suddenly, it says in the scripture, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. At that instant moment, her sin was forgiven. Jesus had forgiven her. And he says to her, now go and sin no more. You know, it's such a beautiful story of how the love of Christ just comes, encompasses her and says, you're forgiven. That's what Jesus does for you and I. He forgives us as when we come to him, when we stand before him and we say, Lord, 
I'm sorry for what I've done. He forgives us. And you know what I really love? Is that when he forgives us, he chooses not to remember anymore what we've done. He never brings it back up. He never throws it in our pathway. He never says, you did this or you did that. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. We have been forgiven in such a beautiful and a powerful way by Jesus coming to the cross, by God sending his only son to die on the cross for you and for me. The forgiveness flowed in such a way that is incredible. It is such grace, such mercy. So Jesus' forgiveness flows as soon as we repent. So by us understanding how to be forgiven by Jesus, we then have to take a hold of that and we have to forgive ourselves. So often what happens is that when we've done things, you know, we know Jesus has forgiven us. We know we've come before him. We know we've laid it down. We understand that he's wiped it clean and he doesn't remember it anymore. But the problem is we won't let go of it. We won't forgive ourselves. We won't forgive what we've done. So we keep bringing it up or we allow the enemy to bring it up and throw it before us and use it as a tool to cause us to be um, destroyed and have something inside of us that is broken. Often if we won't forgive ourselves, it's a sense of um, pride. We have to let it go. We're not allowed to own it anymore. If Jesus has forgiven us, if he has said, I choose not to remember, we have to come to a place of going, hang on a minute, if I've been forgiven, I forgive myself. I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. I'm not going to let it destroy me anymore. I'm not going to hold it back, me back from being who God wants me to be. In the scripture in Romans 3, 23 to 24, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. In Romans 3.10 in the Passion Translation, it says, and the scriptures agree for it is written, there is no one who always does what is right. No, not even one. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. So therefore, we need to forgive ourselves for the things that we may have done that we feel is not what God would want or how we should do it. If God's forgiveness, then we have to forgive ourselves. In Romans 8, chapter 1, uh, Romans 8, 1 to 2, I love this passage of scripture. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Don't condemn yourself. There is therefore now no condemnation. Turn your eyes towards Jesus and allow him to take control. I was reading a quote. Um, It's an unknown author, so I don't actually know who wrote this, but I thought it was really, really powerful. It says, forgiving yourself is as important as forgiving others. Guilt is toxic reliving the mistake over and over love yourself forgive yourself Jesus gave us a command to love him then love ourselves and then in turn love others 
To truly love ourselves, we have a responsibility to forgive ourselves. Hey, let's just stop for a moment. Where are you at? Are there things in your life that you go, God, I just can't let go of it. I just feel bad about it. I feel guilty. But God's already said, hey, I've already forgiven you. You already asked for forgiveness for that. I've already chosen to forget it. Why are you bringing it up constantly? I want to encourage you today. Relinquish it. Let it go. Allow God to just flood you, flood you with that peace and knowledge and understanding you are forgiven. You are totally and completely loved by God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And as you relinquish holding on to that and letting it go, God can move and do something more powerful and greater in your life. Sometimes our refusal to forgive ourselves is a justification for self-protection from further pain. But love and intimacy are only possible when we're vulnerable to being hurt again. If others can forgive us, we can forgive ourselves. We may think that self-forgiveness is only favour to us, but that forgiveness then frees us to be able to forgive others. You know, keys to forgiving ourselves. Here's number one. Accept that Jesus has forgiven you and the slate is clean. Number two, recognise what you are holding unforgiveness for. You can't remove the unforgiveness unless you know what it is. Ask God to show you and let it go. Let it go. Today, let it go. Don't let it hold you back anymore. And don't allow the past to dictate the future. Allow God to dictate the future. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, is to, is to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. He wants to bless you. He's got a hope and a future for you. Don't allow unforgiveness towards yourself to hold you back from being who God wants you to be. You know, once we've been able to accept that we are forgiven by Jesus, that we can forgive ourselves, it's so much easier to be able to forgive others when they come and to hurt us. And how often does that happen? I want to read a passage of scripture. This passage is again Jesus speaking. And it's very confronting. And it's a passage that I know in myself always makes me go, whoa, God, I don't want to be a, a woman that holds unforgiveness. You know, I've really challenged myself that when I'm offended or I'm hurt by someone or something happens, that I want to deal with it immediately. I want to bow down before the Lord and ask for God to remove the unforgiveness from my life and to be able to forgive the person that I may be holding something against. And the reason I do that is because I feel like there's my heart. And the minute that I hold unforgiveness over my heart, it's like this black comes over it. And I just don't feel like like I can have a free relationship with Jesus. I don't feel like there's this openness that can take place because if I'm not going to be able to forgive my brother or forgive the person that's hurt me, then how am I going to be able to continue to do what God's asking me to do? You know, forgiveness is quite selfish. We do it for the release of ourselves. 
yes, half the time the person that may have hurt us mightn't even know that they've done it. They mightn't even understand how much they've hurt us or what they've said towards us. But when we can relinquish it, we're free. We're not held back anymore and we can go forward. So let me read this passage to you today. It's in Matthew 18, 21 to 35, and it says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Right here I see Peter, you know, he's coming before Jesus and he's probably thinking to himself, I know, I'll get this. Hey, Lord, seven times? You know, if, do I need to do that? Seven and when the Lord says, no, 70 times seven, you know, you could see probably Peter going, what? That's like, I have to forgive all the time, every time. There's never a moment that I shouldn't forgive. It goes on and says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to the date with servants who have borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owned, owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Wow, what a master. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owned him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Wow. We've got the first one who forgives the king, Jesus, who we go before and we say, here I am. Oh, Lord, please, will you forgive me? Will you just wipe my debt clean? And what does the king do? What does Jesus do for us? He wipes our debt clean. But then as we walk out of the room with Jesus, we look at the person who's done something towards us and caused unforgiveness, and we're not prepared to do the same as what Jesus did for us. This is what this man did. He threw the guy into the prison until he was going to pay it back in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the name in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus coming in an explanation around a story that says, hey, 
I'm the one that's forgiven you. Your debt is clean. You are wiped clean. You have eternal life. Everything is yours. And in turn now I ask you to go to the people that have hurt you, that have caused the things to come against you. And I'm asking you to forgive them in the same way that you have been forgiven. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart, then that's what will happen to you. They're big words. They're huge words. They're words that are a challenge to us because it's all right for me to say this, but hey, Ruth, you don't know my pain. You don't know what that person did to me. You don't know how powerfully they hurt me. You don't know what's gone on. You've had no idea. I can't forgive them. But Jesus comes and he says, yes, you can. I forgave you. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you have to take them back into your life and make them your best friend. It doesn't mean that they have to be in your sphere of influence. What it means is you need to cut it free. You need to get rid of the, the anguish and the pain and all of that that goes with unforgiveness. You need it off your life and you need to walk in freedom because Jesus has called us to be free. He's called us to be free to do what he wants us to do, to go where we need to go but when we hold unforgiveness it's like a block um, a big huge thing that's on the back of us that's chained to us and we can't move forward it's like we're dragging ourselves we're dragging ourselves forward but what we need to do is we've got to get the big bolt cutters we have to cut it off and say I'm not going to carry that anymore in the name of Jesus I'm going to forgive and let it go See, when someone hurts you and you haven't done anything to deserve it, it hurts and you close down and you no longer want to be vulnerable. When we hold on to our rights and are not prepared to see someone else's point of view, it can cause unforgiveness. We allow an offence to take place. Someone says something and we allow it to penetrate into our heart and then we play it over and over and over and over like a broken record and more and more pain goes in. But we need to be committed to practising forgiveness. When we practise forgiveness, it's the key to creating relationships and a life filled with love. Forgiveness in our relationships is what keeps us sweet, vulnerable and loving in all aspects of our life. I don't think there's anyone on this live stream today that will be listening to this that hasn't experienced a sense of unforgiveness, hasn't experienced somebody that's hurt us or said something that's just crippled us at times. But the freedom comes when we allow God to come in, to take over and we forgive and we allow God to do it with us. So I'm going to give you three simple steps as I come and draw to a close today. The three simple steps to forgiving. Some of you would have heard this from me already. Some of you have been sitting with me and sharing, and I've shared these three steps with you and encouraged you to do it. So I want to encourage you today, if you're holding some unforgiveness in your heart, if somebody's done something, use these three steps. I, I urge you and I'll let you know it works. It really, really works. The first one, you need to ask God to forgive you because when you hold unforgiveness, it's actually a sin. 
And we see that in the earlier scripture. So you've got to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for holding unforgiveness. I'm sorry for allowing that to come in and destroy me. The second thing, pray for God to help you to forgive. It's really hard. We can't seem to do it in our own strength, but the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when we walk with God and we understand God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and we say, God, help me to overflow that out of my being so that I can forgive someone else. He'll do that for us. And the third thing, asking God to bless the other person. This is what enables to know we've forgiven. Oh my goodness, there's been times where things have happened in my life and I've done this and I get to the um, asking God to bless them and I go, I forgive me, Lord. Help me to forgive. Now bless them. And then I don't have to ask for forgiveness again because I've done it and the, it's been wiped clean. But then I come again and I want to encourage you, pray a prayer of blessing over that person's life every single day until you can get to the stage where you start to say, Lord, I pray right now that you will bless them abundantly, that you will bless them beyond what they could dream or imagine, that you will cause an overflow of your love. Lord, if, if you could bring them to you, if they don't know Jesus, that you're praying for their salvation, you're praying for blessing to be brought on them. And when you can get to the state where there is no place of feeling like you don't want to do that, you're free, you have forgiven, it's over. Forgiveness is so important for our everyday walk with Jesus. Jesus made it really clear time and time again in the passage of scripture, in the red letters, as you read, you read what Jesus says and he says it for a plan, for a purpose, for us to be all that he wants us to be. In Romans 12, 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is my, my to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. We're called to love. We're called to lay it down. There is nothing that you can't forgive. There's nothing. Jesus looks at us. He looked at that woman. He knew that she committed adultery. Everybody else wanted to judge her. But what does he say? Basically, you're forgiven. Go and sin no more. Go on. Go and live your life. You're forgiven. So today we've seen in the writings of Jesus the importance of forgiveness for us and for others. I want to encourage you today. Whatever has happened in your life, allow God's forgiveness to flow. Allow your mindset to change and forgive yourself. And now forgive those that have hurt you. Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Jesus, help me to forgive. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, help me to let it go because I want to be all that you want me to be. So today, if you're in your room or wherever you are listening to this and you say, oh God, I've got to, I've got to let it go. 
I've got to let it go. You know, there's been a couple of things that have happened this week and I've gone, oh, and I've felt that unforgiveness rise and then I've got, oh, I'm speaking on this and I've had to actually put into action what I have preached today because I don't want anything to hold me back from being who Jesus wants me to be. So I'm going to pray for you right now that the power of God will come, help you, encourage you, strengthen you and allow you to know you're forgiven. You are forgiven. Holy Spirit, we come to you right now. I thank you so much. I thank you that we have this amazing opportunity of being able to be before you today, being able to bring our things that we need to lay down at you. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness that has flowed. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. And in turn, Lord, we don't want to hold any unforgiveness against ourselves. And Lord, we definitely don't want to hold unforgiveness against anybody else. And so, Lord, I pray today, if people are struggling with the area of unforgiveness, will you come into their room? Will you enable them? Will you strengthen them? Will you give them the ability to be able to forgive and let it go? For Father, this is what you've asked us to do. These are the words that were written that Jesus brought and and brought to every person that was around to say, hey, listen, you need to forgive. But Lord, we know we can't do it in our own strength. We need you to help us in your precious name. Amen. Hey, we're here for you. If in this message there is something that you go, Ruth, I'm stuck. I can't get beyond this. I don't know what to do. We're here. Just give me a call. Give one of us a call. We want to help you. We want to enable you to continue to grow and develop and be all that God wants you to be. The whole purpose of the Red Letter Challenge is to read the words of Jesus for it to penetrate into our lives, for us to have a life-changing moment of being able to know what would Jesus do. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.